Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We are back. The POD cast is back after a week off. We're back. Your Detroit Lions podcast featured by pride of Detroit.com. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the interim coach of this podcast. I'm also the managing editor of pride of Detroit. I am so excited to be back. It feels good to be back in the saddle again, talking Lions football back from vacation and I am ready for it because, man, a lot of things happened while I was gone. And we're going to get into half of it probably and, and look forward to this week's NFL Combine, talk about some NFL PA stuff. And I'm getting way, way, way ahead of myself right now. Let me introduce our co-hosts for this week's podcast. As always, we have Ryan Matthews. Back is the motherfucking rock guy. That's at Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan, are you as excited to be back as I am? You know, I don't know what your career percentage is for picking the right week to go on vacation, but if we're just basing it solely off your last vacation, you're over one. <laughs> it's true. I, I think things could have gone worse in terms of Detroit Lions news. I, I at least was still in the States when the Matthew Stafford rumors dropped. That was like yeah. my send off. I'm like, oh boy, this, this, said- <laughs> that, was, that was foreshadowing into the kind of things that I'd be missing. I think it truly was because there could have been no more bizarre of a story to foreshadow just all of the weird things that were going to happen. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And also with us this week uh, to help us preview the NFL combine amongst other things. Uh, you know, him, you love him. He's math bomb. It's Kent Lee Platty. Kent, how are you doing tonight? Grand man. Happy to be here. All right. And as I uh, kind of previewed beforehand, we're going to get into lines news right off the top because a lot has happened since we've last rejoined uh together here and then second segment nfl combine all nfl combine all the time we're really gonna rely on ken here because it's his time of year it's his i was gonna say it's his nfl draft but that seems a little redundant because (laughs) (laughs) it's his super bowl it's his lines nfl draft it's it's all about the analytics and ken brings it so um we're we're gonna talk a lot about the guys we think might impress guys that the Lions might have their eye on all sorts of things like that. And then we'll get to your mailbag and do a little bit of NFL PA talk, but let's get into some of that news. Um, including let's just start with the Matthew Stafford stuff. We didn't really get a chance to talk about it right after it happened. <clears throat> um, now that the dust is settled. And if, if you don't know what happened, let me do a quick recap here. Bernie Smilovitz from WDIV in local Detroit, uh, their, their NBC affiliate, um, reported that Matthew Stafford was being shopped by the Lions. Um, 
didn't really have anything else to say other than that. You know, it was just his sources. No one else seemed to have sources outside of, you know, the Miami Herald. <laughs> um, and then basically after that, everyone came out. Bob Quinn texted every Detroit Lions beat writer an angry 100% false with with punctuation like crazy saying, not true, not true, not true. Um, other guys came in and said, you know, the lines had been fielding calls ever since this rumor hit and, and they're telling everyone, no, he's not for sale. No, he's not for sale. Now that all that has settled and we're, we're almost two weeks uh, with that in the rear view mirror, are either of you buying that rumor even a little bit? I'm going to no. get a head shake from <laughs> no, a no from Ken. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think there's any truth to it at all. I mean, the, the whole Stafford being traded thing started with Bart Scott saying that, that Matt Patricia was going to trade him to Bill Belichick to help Bill yeah. Belichick because he needs <laughs> so much help. Right. Um, that's where it started. And then you mentioned the Miami Herald. It got picked up by a friend of Bart Scott's who mm-hmm. ran with the same rumor. Yeah. And then this one, this one was run because of something that that uh, Matthew Stafford's wife had posted on Instagram. And then they doubled down on that source after they got called out on it. So I don't think there's any truth to it. I think it's there's always going to be a subset of fans that want the starting quarterback of the Lions traded and want them to reset every single year. And those people ate that those rumors right up and mm-hmm. it's not stopping. So we're going to have to deal with it between now and the draft. I don't think it's a thing. It won't be a thing in 20, in 2020, uh, 20, 2021. It's still going to be rough, but it'd be a reasonable, a, a reasonable possibility in 2021. Right. If, if things go South, but it does seem like that's, the year in which we can at least have a conversation about this, whereas right. now it just doesn't seem to make any sense. But Ryan, and I'll throw this to you, Ryan, was there when, when the report first dropped, seeing that it came from a local source and, you know, I, I'm not here to hate on Bernie Smilovitz because it, by all means, it, it looks like he has a good relationship with the Stafford. So um, it, it, I think it gave it a little bit more of, legitimacy at the time did you feel that way at all and and is there any residual legitimacy coming from that report i don't think so not at all i i will say that when i initially saw the report and i saw that it was wdiv i immediately thought oh well that's a rather credible source it's a local news station and it's an nbc affiliate as you had mentioned so that gave me pause but when I didn't see that there were any sources. And when I saw the only thing was Kelly Stafford, as Ken mentioned, you know, posting on Instagram that if Detroit won't have them, then she'd love to live in LA. If that and a FanDuel article is your source um, from a, from just some no name blogger who's throwing around trade rumors, like their candy at a parade. I, you know, once, once there was a little bit digging, it was like, why is Bernie Smilovitz running with this? Yeah. And then, and then the, the most curious thing was when they doubled down on it. Right. And that just seemed, that just seemed wild to me. But I, I, I was, I will say that I was waiting the entire time for somebody to Scooby-Doo mask Bernie Smilovitz and for it to be Omar Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and to be clear, I I think WDW was running with her separate sources. And then when Kelly ran with her Instagram thing, which actually happened before the report dropped, they were like, well, see, we were right because Kelly posted that. And so I, I'm not sure they were using it as, as their main source, but it was definitely like, okay, yeah, we're right. Look, Kelly said, you know, we, if, if the lines don't want us, 
we'll move to LA. It's just like, okay, when you're, when you're using that as proof that you're right. I mean, have you seen Kelly Stafford's Instagram account? Like she defends Matthew at every turn she can get. So if she sees any sort of article suggesting that he gets traded or gets cut or, you know, whatever is not a pro bowl or whatever, she's going to run and, and post something about it. So using that as proof of, of some sort of trade rumors, very silly. And I'm, I'm with you all that. It just, it doesn't make sense. The, the one other little news blurb that happened regarding Stafford was um, the Detroit news. Justin Rogers came out with an article that kind of, Provide, provided a little more clarity about what trading Stafford would entail because a lot of people were throwing around that $32 million dead money figure. Um, he dug a little bit into the contract and found that it isn't quite that much. It's actually closer to, I think, I want to say $24 million. Um, but that's still more than they'd have to pay him if he was still on the roster. So it still doesn't make a lot of sense. It still is a costly move. If they were to draft a guy like Tua, um, and and I don't want to turn this into Tua talk quite yet. Ah, uh, yes, that means <laughs> hey, that means it's coming, folks. Maybe we'll see. Uh, but we'll get to that when we get to the medical part of the combine. There you talk. go. We'll, we'll maybe we'll get a little Tua talk in there. But <laughs> the point being, if the Lions were so dead set on getting Tua, it would still make a ton of sense to keep Matthew Stafford for 2020 and then trade him in 2021. And so, any way you look at this, it doesn't make sense that Stafford's on on the block, um, despite. The, all the evidence on the contrary that, that it's not happening. Um, all the evidence, you know, that's not even being put out there points to not happening. So I think we can move on and talk about some things that are actually happening. Like the Detroit lions releasing Damon Harrison senior, who actually hasn't been released yet. It's not official, but since snacks has g- said his goodbyes via social media, I think we can say that rumor is a little more credible. It's going to happen. Um, but this is kind of a curious move because I think most people were under the impression he was either going to play for the Lions or he's going to retire. But now it looks like there's a third option because he's getting released and based on several different reports, he still wants to play. And so you have to then think like, what happened here? Did the Lions really want to move on from Snacks? Did Snacks want to move on from the Lions? Snacks called it a mutual parting Guys, what's your best guess as to as to what happened here? I'll, I'll throw it to you first, Kent. I think that the original, like you had mentioned, when he we finished up 2019, he seemed very dead set, like he was ready to retire. Yeah, uh, I think the Lions have operated under that assumption since that point. And then when they finally linked back up, that had changed. I think it changed on snacks. And I think he probably had, you know, some of the offseason to heal to get a little better in his own head. And I think he feels like he wants to still play, but the lions had already moved on. They were already operating under that assumption. Um, they take, they, they get a little bit of cap relief from releasing him. So I, I think that the, just the things had changed since they had last talked to him. And that's all, that's all that it is. It, things had changed and now they're operating under the assumption he might want to play, but they can't do that under the current cost. They've already moved on. Um, and that's that's just where it is. I don't think anybody should have been thinking that that Snacks was going to play here. He seemed very very much towards retirement over playing here. Um, I have I haven't operated under the assumption he was going to be here at all during my <laughs> right. draft prep and anything. I've, I've pretty much been like I, they're going to need a nose tackle somewhere. It's free agency or draft. So um, I haven't I haven't really even considered that he would be back. Now that he looks like he might play and it's going to be somewhere else, it just makes sense that it's not here. 
Um, his plane nosedived in, in 2019 after you know, finishing strong in 2018. He came in out of shape in 2019. Um, I rubbed some people the wrong way, but it doesn't sound like that's why he's being let go. To me, it just seems like they made a plan. They worked out everything under the assumption he was leaving. Now he's not. And they're just like, yeah, well, it's, we're going to be done then. <laughs> well, uh, l- let me ask you this then, Ryan. If if that was their their idea, they they were just kind of operating under under the belief that Snacks was gone. Why not adjust expectations? I mean, this is a defense that obviously is coming into this offseason with a lot of needs. To have Snacks around for at least one more year seems like Maybe it's worth it. Uh, you, you do save seven million in cap space, um, but you know I, I think we can all agree that Snacks wasn't good last year, and and you have to parse through it how much of that was injury related, how much of it was him being thirty or thirty one. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I guess I don't have a specific question for you here, Ryan. But but is is that how you view the situation? Are are you happy about this? Are you mad about this? Is this just kind of is what it is? No, I, th- I think your original question was a good one. Like if things change with Damon Harrison and his situation over the course of the off season, wouldn't you want to welcome a guy who played like Damon Harrison in 2018 back with open arms? I think absolutely. I think Damon Harrison was one of the best run defenders, if not the best run stuffer specifically for Matt Patricia's system that he could have got here in Detroit. Now Kent had already made mention of the lack of production, the lack of, you know, physical shape that Damon Harrison was in when he showed up after not holding out. And I think that this maybe speaks a lot to why Damon Harrison was probably in the shape that he was in. I mean, he said he was taking care of his pregnant wife. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that are bigger than football. And I I think Damon Harrison was behind schedule because of life events. So I, I think with that being said, at the end of the season, you know, in his, you know, post-game press conference after the, uh, or by, by his locker post-game after that Packers game, he was talking about how, you know, his mind was still there. He really still wanted to play football, but his body just seemed like it wasn't holding up to it. That really sounds like a guy who probably after an off season or probably after, you know, a, a couple weeks into the off season, he might have a change of mind and he might think, you know what, if I do get started early and if I do follow my normal regimen, then I could be a football player again. So I don't think that this is a Lions thing. I don't think this is a Snack Terrace and not wanting to be in Detroit thing because in his, you know, in his farewell, he was effusive in his praise of, yeah. you know, people, people from, you know, parking lot attendants to, you know, people who work the tunnels for the games and, you know, just the everyday people who show up and go to work and how, you know, enthused they were and how personable they were. I think Damon Harrison really liked being here. I think the Lions liked what they got out of him, but We've talked about this before, Jeremy. There are tons of options in free agency if you want to get a one tech. There are some options we'll talk about, I'm sure, in in the coming weeks with Kent and some other draft people about potential replacements for Damon Harrison moving forward. But with that being said, the Lions do have to get one, right? They do. And and you you do do bring up a good point. Um, While this is kind of a crucial position in Matt Patricia's defense, um, there, there are going to be a lot of options in free agency. We've gone over a couple before and uh, another one came available or is likely to come available when, uh, Oh, I should have had this guy's name prepared. Uh, Was it Marcel Darius? DJ reader. It is. Thank you. Marcel Darius. Marcel Darius. Yeah. Oh no. DJ reader. I, I know plenty about I'm, I'm a full DJ reader stand this off season. Um, I'm probably going to write another article, but yeah, a couple of episodes ago on the podcast, I was standing for him big time. Um, but no, uh, anyways, 
but I, I guess my big concern with this move and it it's it's not necessarily becoming something that that we see a lot with with Bob Quinn but this is a guy that they signed an extension to six months ago and for them to just completely do a 180 on this guy and say you know what well he had a bad season you know what well he's thinking about retirement but almost know. like signing a guy to an extension and then trading him for almost yes, nothing right and that that's the other I mean that Quandre digs. I mean, it's not so much the release now, it's it's the extension then. And I I know I'm being unfair here because I, I even looked back at it. I, I gave the extension an A. I I look I literally had an article where I graded and said this was a no-brainer, this is an A. But I, I guess to me, just like the quick change of heart is doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I don't know if you, if you're putting that sort of investment into your nose tackle, you think it's important. You think he's a good player. And I don't think one bad season should necessarily turn your, turn your mind completely, especially with a guy that has had such a consistent career as Damon Harrison. No one, no nose tackle, I think was, was more consistently, you know, top PFF run defense grades, you know, playing every single game. You know, he basically played, he played 17 games last year. He had his starting streak and all that sort of stuff. I just don't see how you throw that all away in, in a off season where you, where you can't really afford to do that. You can't afford to have this, this much turnover in one off season. If, if you're going to have any sort of stability and build towards something. Yeah, I completely agree. But and, and while you say, Jeremy, that this doesn't make any sense to you, I think it can do two things. It can not make any sense to you, but it can also make total sense because this is who Bob Quinn has established himself to be. I think this goes very, I think this goes all the way back. You can replace everything that you just said about, about snacks and that situation and talk about somebody like Andrew Corliss. There was a zero tolerance policy on gun on gun violence and domestic charges but hey the lions needed a tight end and they signed him and then they cut him it's like why would you do that and then cut him it seems like he makes a lot of hasty decisions like i think this this is just Mm -hmm. in like bob quinn's nature he's just yeah is it too much to say impulsive no no um i'm not even sure like so many things that he does seems like they're calculated and then he has things like that yeah. Where it's like, that doesn't make any sense at all. And then he has other things like Graham Glasgow, Darius Slate waiting on his extension. The, the things that seem like he's just dragging his feet. But I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to get a read on what he, the type of person that he really is because he makes each type of mistake and each type of success, but never with any level of consistency. He's, there's no, there's no yeah. getting a beat on what he actually is as a person because it's not like he does this with every player. Right. But he does it. He does it often enough that it's like, why did he do that? You know, it just it, it's it makes you think like of all. The, so they, they give Quandre Diggs an extension, then they trade him. They give snacks an extension and then they cut him. Why isn't Christian Jones getting the same treatment? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it hasn't been the full six months yet. So maybe maybe <laughs> come April. One, one, one other thing, one, one last thing about this whole situation that I think we can maybe even pivot to or, or take somewhere else, but with snacks getting cut 
And Jeremy, you say like last off season, you're like, Hey, this is an a no brainer. Of course you want one of the best run defenders back. We saw what big of a difference he made in the second half of the season while that was getting done. Why wasn't Darius Slade being taken care of? Yeah. That, that was a point that Dave Burkett brought up this week too. Yeah. Is a, and he was saying it at the time, you know, if you have a choice between extending Darius Slay and Damon Harrison, you probably made the wrong move. I mean, no, there's no question now you made the wrong move, but even then, if it was an either or situation, which it not, it isn't necessarily an either or thing, but um, yeah, I think you could bring up a good point. I think cornerback is in general, the more important position. Darius Slay was obviously younger at that point. Um, yeah. I, I we're we're all working with hindsight here, so it's tough to be fair to Bob Quinn at the time, but it, it is, but don't you think this is just I, I think that this move speaks volumes as to how they view Darius Slay or how they value him, or rather how they don't value him, because I don't think that he's going to be a Detroit Lion next season. Yeah, I don't, and I'm starting to get a little more optimistic, but that might just be I don't know. The further and further we get away from the Adam Schefter report that they were shopping him, the more and more I'm like, well, you know, maybe, maybe they're just waiting for the new CBA to to whip up a long term deal. I, I mean, it does make sense for them to wait at least a little bit to know what the salary cap ramifications will be long term before signing a guy to a long term deal. Um, but when when I think about it more and more, and think about the way things have been heading since really the the end of last year um it seems like slay hasn't been the most content person in that locker room seems like uh you know the the front office hasn't been bending to to his desires at all and so we'll see on him um but the one guy that the lines did resign the one move that they've actually made and confirmed as of today danny emmendel is back according to peter schrager on a one-year deal we don't have the terms yet um, but I think we can all agree, agree. This is a fairly, I don't even know if I want to say good, but like fine signing. Good job. Yeah. It's, it's probably going to be a five or $6 million deal. Uh, he made yeah. four and a half last year. Um, I, I had a discussion with somebody on Twitter I think yesterday, the day before about how it should be a lower amount. And I don't agree with that. I wasn't a big fan of the Danny Amendola signing last year. I, I, his injury history and the fact that he was never really all that productive, never really caught me. Yeah, caught on. I really thought he would be that impactful. But it was very clear early on that he had he had a very good relationship with Matthew Stafford. They understood where he, where he, uh, he was going to be on his routes. They knew how to get their timing together. They gelled real easily. Uh, and Danny Amendola had his a career year last year. He had he had one of the best seasons of his entire career. Yep. It, it makes absolute sense to bring him back. I'm a little surprised that he came back. Not that he wouldn't right. want to play here. But I feel like he could have got a better deal. Well, when, like you said, we'll have to wait until we see the terms. But I, I feel like he probably could have got a better deal than whatever we end up giving him, unless we pay out the ass for him. But <laughs> right. I feel like he, he had a good shot to make at least a decent last or second to last contract going elsewhere as that that veteran presence on a team that that has a younger receiving core. Um, but he ended up coming back. I, I think it's a win-win for everybody. Uh, unless of course we come back and it's like a $12 million, some stupid money deal. <laughs> I don't, I don't predict that at all, but um, we'll see when that comes in. Ryan, what were your thoughts on the, on the move? 
I was a fan of it. I'm, I'm a fan of bringing back Amendola, especially if we get the Amendola that we got last season um, here in Detroit. But the one thing that I'm not sure if everybody is totally understanding of is that this doesn't change the Lions approach, I think, in the draft or free agency when it oh. comes to when it comes to getting a wide receiver. They don't have anybody signed post 2020. So there, there is still going to be moves that are made, but this is what I really like about the move is that it insulates that rookie or the potential rookie that they dress because they don't have to immediately get thrown in the fire. They get to learn from one of the best route runners in Danny Amendola. They, you know, get to be around Kenny Galladay and a quarterback like Matthew Stafford, not Tua Tonga So like it's, I think it's a good situation as Kent mentioned, it's a win-win, but it doesn't change the lion's approach to the free agency or to, to free agency or the draft, even for a, even for a front office, that's on kind of like a win now mandate like that. It, like you can't like yeah. you have, to, you have to have a contingency plan. Yep. And then I think that's the thing that I like to point out all the time. This point of year is free agency and, and taking care of your own is all about contingency plans so that you aren't forced into drafting a position come April. That's the last thing you want. You want some sort of relative freedom and having a guy like Danny Amendola does it. So you don't have to grab a wide receiver in the first two rounds necessarily to have your slot receiver taken care of. You know, what's a good contingency is drafting James Prochet in the later rounds so that he can learn from Danny Amendola for when he becomes the next Danny Amendola. <laughs> there you go. That, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking that this helps my case more than anybody else. <laughs> You love that guy, even though you you don't think he's going to do well. To he's going to be right? he's going to do terrible. I don't care. I love him. <laughs> well, that's a nice tease because when we come back, we are going to get into that. We're going to get into all sorts of combine talk. Maybe throw a little predictions around. Talk about who might shine, who lines might have their eyes on, and all that sort of fun stuff when we come back. So you stick around on the POD cast. We're back, baby. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back with the POD cast. Jeremy Reisman here, managing editor of Pride of Detroit. We want to talk NFL Combine. And by we, I mean, you probably want to listen to it. I'm not sure how excited I am, but I have someone that is very excited and he's going to make it rub off on me. Kenley Platty is obviously joining us, as you heard in the first segment. Ryan's also here, too. I don't know how excited he is for the NFL Combine. Uh, Mildly excited. Okay. And the reason that that meter changed is because of the Joe Burrow tweet that we'll talk about later. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Well, the NFL Combine is this week. It's already technically been underway. Um, Measurements got um, taken for the first group. Hand size, yes. All that sort of fun stuff. But the real fun doesn't really begin, at least from a watching perspective. I know Kent would argue that the, the fun has already begun because there are already numbers out there now. Uh, but the, the drills and stuff don't begin until Thursday. Now it's a primetime event, guys. They're, they're taking oh, yeah. it seriously. This is, this is great TV right here. I'm surprised Run we don't have play-by-play, man. <laughs> I mean, there, there might be. Who knows what they're going to do this year? They're, they're really changing everything. It was interesting. The, the Bob Quinn interview with Tori Petri is talking about all the different changes that they, they get an extra couple minutes with interviews. The interviews are being taken in a different place. Um, everything's happening at different times. Now it's a whole event. And so Kent, you're going to have to sell this on me because I've never been a huge fan of this event. I think it's w- way overblown and silly and, and funny from a distance, but also people take it, very seriously and it, it's don't don't get me wrong it's an important part of the draft process and all that but um why why are you why do you get so excited about the combine well sell it to me so obviously the drills are a big part for me not the drills the time the time drills are all a big mm-hmm. part for me because of all the metrics work that i do um but I, we actually talked about this with a couple of people the other day people don't realize that that's like not the most important part of the combine as yeah. as much work as i do with it it's not even the most important part for me at the combine i want to know how medicals go for guys i want to know how interviews go for guys because that's how you weed out your jakai polites like last year jakai polite bombed everything before he even stepped out and ran a horrible 40 time and horrible vertical drills you know, he, he would all was already shooting himself in the foot. And that's how you can tell that that player is either not taking things seriously. They're not prepared for the draft, but a lot of that stuff. And it's kind of sad in situations where the player doesn't do well, but some of that stuff's pretty funny to, to see a guy go up there and just stumble all over himself because he yeah. wasn't properly coached up. Um, it's just as funny for somebody who studied psychology or sociology to watch somebody go up there and absolutely school everybody trying to interview him. You saw it with Kyler Murray. You saw it with Christian McCaffrey, you know, guys that have just very, they've done so well at preparing for what questions they were going to be asked. And you can even see that little light in their eyes when they get that question, they knew they were going to get, they've already got that answer queued up They practiced it. They're ready to sell you on that line of garbage they have out there. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun from a, a human point of view to watch that type of stuff before you even get to the drills. 
Um, but then you get to the drills and you see guys that come out that, that, you know, they, they look really good on tape and then they bomb a drill and it's like, well, does that, does that matter? Do we go back to the tape now? Do we, do we, do we have to pay too much attention to it? Does it not matter? You know, you start paying attention to that. You have guys that come out of nowhere and run super fast drills. Um, uh, Montez sweat last year ran mm-hmm. a seven flat uh, cone drill, which if you had watched him on tape was like, a second and a half less than what you would have expected in a run a code drill. The guy couldn't bend to save his backside and he comes out and runs literally the benchmark for a great pass rusher at the combine. That stuff's crazy to watch to it. It's all about setting expectations and having them either met or completely blown out of the water. Uh, and it happens every year. It's a lot of fun. I, I take, I take it off from work every year. Um, I, I had to fight the urge to take the whole week off. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I do have to make money at my day job. So I ended up having to work till Wednesday, but uh, I'm off from Thursday and I'll be blowing up social media all over the place. Yes. And if you guys are fans of the combine and you guys by, by that, I mean the people listening and watching at math bomb on Twitter, you're definitely going to want to follow him and, and let me make sure I get this right. It's relative athletic score.com. Correct. Relative athletic scores.com. Yep. And I'll be, I'll be posting links directly to the site starting today, actually. So, um, it, it'll all be linked back to my site instead of just on uh, Twitter now. So hopefully people can can go there whenever they want, look up whatever players they want. It's going to be a little bit easier to find stuff. And really quick explanation of, of what he does. RAS relative athletic scores basically takes all the measurables, averages them out for each position, gives them a, a score one to 10 spits it. And, and then combines all of the athletic traits spits out another one to 10 metric and, and kind of, what eight, I think eight to 10 is considered elite by your metrics. Yeah. Eight to 10 is considered that's the top 20%. Um, and when I, when I, when you level everything out, it's, it's a completely uniform metric in each, each year. So 2020 draft year, the, the worst athlete from 1987 to 2020 and the highest athlete, you know, it's zero to 10. Um, it's, it's a really nice metric because that, that uniform distribution um, but it, it's, it's fun to see who, where guys measure and how successful they can be. The elite athletes tend to do better when they get to the NFL, the poorer athletes tend to not. So it, it's, it's good for projecting where guys are going to go. And it's, it's, it's been a pretty decent predictor of NFL success too. So it's a lot of fun to put it together. All right. Well, let's get into some specific guys here for, for the NFL combine. If you haven't already, Kent did a great preview series of each position over at pride of Detroit. You can go over to pride of Detroit and and look at each position from quarterback to everything but special teams. He he didn't do special teams. I'm not gonna not gonna bust his balls for it because who cares about <laughs> special teams? Hamza isn't on this podcast, so you know, I can start writing it now. It'll be done. No, by no, no, finished. no. We're good. We're good. Um, but let's start. Um, let's start with who has the most to gain this week because um, we've already seen some guys saying they're bowing out. Josh Uche is not going to do drills. Um, Chase Young's not going to do drills. In, in, in the case of Chase, he doesn't have anything to prove, um, so it doesn't really matter. Uche, we'll see. Um, but but who, amongst the guys that are there that are supposed to be working out, who are the guys that you think have the most to prove this entire week? So the, the, I mentioned before, it's the medicals and the interviews are the big parts. The medicals are huge, huge this year, more than any year I can remember. The medicals are big you are going to see guys drop like stones in this draft because the medicals aren't going to go their way. And there's going to be guys that you have barely even heard of who are going to jump up into first and second round consideration because their medicals clear. Um, 
Terrell Lewis out of Alabama is one of the edge players. There is a linebacker edge type. Um, he's had a lot of medical problems in college, but he's got first round tape that dude, that dude can ball. So if he comes to the combine and his medicals clear, that's, that's going to be a really significant discussion for a lot of people on day two of the draft. He has first round tape. And if his medicals clear, you're going to have people jumping up and getting him in the second or third round. That's, that's crazy big for him. Uh, Trey Adams from Washington's a tackle. He's missed a couple of years, whole, whole seasons due to injury. But his tape prior to that and the hype that he had coming out of high school was big. And when you have a guy that misses a lot of time, you want to know their medicals and then you want to see what else they can do. If he goes through medicals and those clear and then he does well in the drills, that's going to see him jump back up from where he is now, which is he could be undraftable based on his medicals. But you can see him jump all the way up to day two if he if he shows out really well. Uh, Julian Aquara, I don't expect him to even pass medical. I don't expect him to do anything over the combine. Uh, I don't think we're going to see him measure, which is a bit of a shame. But knowing where he is on on that path for recovery is going to be huge because I think he had a broken tibia or tibia, yeah. one of his legs. Yeah, he had a broken bones. tibia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's those suck. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. you don't want you don't want that. But it, how how far along he is on the, on recovery is going to be huge for him because his tape is already telling you that he's a day one, day two guy fringe fringe day one guy so he's he's a guy that those medicals are even bigger for because he's not going to measure so it's it's me the only things you're going to get is the medical and the interviews for him. um and god i could i could go through the list of guys that have medicals on here uh, javon kinlaw is injured right now so he needs to have good medicals so he can measure uh, if he measures injured that could be a problem guys should never measure injured i want everybody to measure every year but if they if they're hurt they shouldn't you know it's, yeah, it's just a bad idea Tease Tabor, right? He had yeah, that, that hamstring, right? It's he was just really, a bad idea, man. Super fast, but yeah, that, he that he got hurt hamstring. so bad it retroactively made him run slow at the two <laughs> events he had done before he got hurt. Um, <laughs> uh, but there's a huge list of guys that have injury concerns that need to come in. Uh, it's the same thing with the interviews. There's a bunch of guys that had prior arrests. We have a couple guys that had assaults, assault type of things on their records. We had a lot of guys that have maturity issues that, that have to get worked out. The interviews are going to be huge this year. Last year probably had more guys that, that really needed good interviews, but there's a lot of them this year. Um, Randy Moss's kid is coming out and he's got both of those. He's got, he's got met, uh, he's got the interviews that he needs to crush. He, he didn't do as well as people had hoped. He wasn't as tall as people. He was like an inch and a half shorter than people would expect him to be. So he's already kind of starting off a little slow, but he's got, got to have a big week because he's got to crush those interviews. Cause just like Randy, there was maturity issues and concerns about whether or not he had the mentality to play in the, in the league. And those questions are already there. He's got to crush it. Can Let's talk a little bit about the interviews because obviously that's not something that the public is privy to, but things leak and yeah. the things aren't always trustworthy, right? We hear some weird stories about, you know, character issues that turn out to not be a big thing. Do you have like a guide as to what comes out that you can trust and what you can't trust? Because, you know, sitting back from our perspective, we don't, like I said, we're not privy to that information. So things that come out, how are we supposed to kind of divvy between the stuff that, that might be true and might not be true? Yeah. And the, the metric stuff is always way easier for me. It's really hard to look at those interviews and come away with, Oh, I can tell that this guy's going to be a problem when he gets out into the league. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you, usually it's, it's when you start stringing things together. You know, we saw that last year with Ja'Kai Polite, 
Right. He bombed out on the interviews. He bombed out on the measurements. He didn't look good doing any of his stuff. He claimed he had an injury. He, he, he did eventually have a hamstring injury, but any, and we, we joke about this sometimes I think every year because the hamstring injury is the dog ate my homework of the combine because you should, you should never measure on an injured hamstring. A hamstring is very limiting in athletic testing. So you shouldn't measure on one, but it's so easy for a guy to just say, Oh yeah, well, hold my hammy. I'm not going to be able to finish it. Um, but when it's when you start to string things together, yeah. uh, you hear guys that, that get talked about, about having maturity issues. It's really important to pay attention to what those maturity issues are. Uh, Graham Glasgow had maturity issues coming out of college because he had had some stuff when he was a freshman and when he was first starting out in college and then he had turned everything around. So it was a maturity issue by definition, right. but not by reality. Um, Darius Geis, and I was never a huge Darius Geis fan. Anybody that followed me knows I was never a big, huge fan of Darius Geis, but the care, the character concerns for Darius Geis right. was the most ignorant about. crap I could ever get. It's like, what was, what's the problem with Darius Geis? He plays Fortnite <laughs> often. And it's like, and half these guys play this stuff all the time right. now. And just, just imagine thinking about that in 2020, if someone were to come out, cause this was a couple of years back, but imagine right. saying that in 2020, that a guy plays Fortnite and that's a problem. You know, um, I remember Eli Apple, when Eli Apple had came out, um, they had said that he couldn't make, he couldn't make a bowl of rice or something like that. Something really simple that he, yeah. he couldn't cook because he had been so coddled or something like that. And, I tend to pay a little bit more attention to stuff like that because I've, I've, I know of several players where the whole, their parents did everything for them. Mm. And then that was a problem. Uh, Equinemius St. Brown had that last year. He dropped all the way, all the way down to the sixth round. People were talking about him as a second or third round pick. And he dropped all the way to the sixth round because, and because supposedly about the way that his family had treated him and the way that he was coddled and the way that his family had done everything for him. That kind of stuff does matter to teams because they expect you to come in and be coachable from day one. So the big thing for me for the interviews is when guys start mouthing off the people that are interviewing them because they, they train for these interviews. Right. So if, if you go into something that is a job interview and you start talking back or getting insulting or getting offended by things, even if you are offended, that's, that's part of the point of these interviews is to try to, to rattle you, to try to get you off your game. And if you can't even do that little bit, then how can we know that you're going to be able to go out on a football field and not get rattled when somebody's talking smack to you? You know, that's, that's flags. That's 15 yards right there. Yep. You know, it's, it's not good. So it's, it's important to pay attention to them, to, to know when people are talking about it. But like you said, so many of these character concerns, things are just big fat nothings. And it's, if you're not going to spend the time to go research it, I wouldn't talk about it. That's usually the way that I look at it is if if you're not going to go and spend the time to look at what those problems supposedly are and the source from where they're coming from, then don't talk about character issues. Seems simple enough. Really does. I understand. (laughs) <laughs> then you know it's simple you have character <laughs> <laughs> I was just seeing if you were still paying attention Ryan this is true <laughs> alright let's get into some guys that maybe the Lions might be interested um, we kind of have a, a general idea of what they're looking for athletically in, in cer- at certain positions you know they like tall and long corners they like big and slow linebackers <laughs> Um, they're going to be needing, you know, a potential nose tackle, a big guy. 
uh, also three tech and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, not necessarily limited to defense, but who are some guys that you think might kind of fit the athletic profile that the Lions are looking for this week? So you mentioned the big, slow linebackers. It's, it's not really big, slow, but it is big. And they, yeah. they like guys with, they like guys with longer arms. They like guys that are, that are lengthy, that have that length. They keep talking about the range. Right. Um, they don't use the term range the same way. A lot of other coaches do. Most coaches, when they're talking about range, they're talking about the ability to go sideline to sideline. The Lions don't really use it that way for them. It's their ability to cover up holes to, yeah, to be able to grab onto guys. Um, so look for, look for guys like that. Malik Harrison was a guy that came up from Ohio state. Um, there's, there's not many linebackers this year and it's not a strong crop of linebackers. So for me, it's more about the free agency for that. Um, but look at your edge guys. You know, they, they converted Austin Bryant to an, to a, a linebacker last year, even though he was a true edge in college. So there's going to be edge guys that might fit that profile and they will try to convert them. Um, one of the guys that, that I really like was Bradley and I from Utah. He doesn't have all that length and his length is one of the concerns that they have with him. But every other part of Matt Patricia's mentality is in this dude. He's, he's a very physical guy. He does have the ability to set the edge really well. He's uh, a great tackler. He, he grapples right onto guys when he does grab them. So even though he doesn't have that one specific trait, he has all the other ones. Uh, and it's important not to get too caught up in those measurement stuff. And I do that a lot when I'm talking about the linebackers, especially because they've been so hardcore about it. You mentioned a particular free agent, potential free agent. They had re-signed last year in Christian Jones, who should be a free agent right now. <laughs> but they brought him back because they, they wanted him in that defense because he fits that profile of what they're looking for. And they might have been looking ahead to this class and realized that it's not that strong. Yeah. But you don't want to marry yourself too much to it. If, if they had a little bit more scheme versatility, I might be a little bit more likely to say that they would stray from at least that specific one, but I, I don't really see that. Uh, they might be on the edge just because the class is a lot stronger and there's a lot more guys, uh, assuming they don't somehow get A.J. Epinesa from Iowa. Uh, he's everything that they want. Um, but it's also looking at those measurements, too. Yeah. He's, he's also looking at those measurements, too, because... Epinesa has issues with athleticism at times. And there's that concern that he's just that one trick. He's just hand usage and length. And I mean, that's perfect for a Matt Patricia defense. Right. So as long as nobody else likes him, we'll let him fall to wherever we pick with our second pick. Right. Um, what it's important to pay attention to what the team's like, but don't get too married to it. Let, let's just quickly, because I feel like there hasn't been a lot of talk about guards because it's not, a position the lines are likely going to take with the first round pick, maybe not even the second round pick, but obviously it's a big need. What, what exactly do you view as the lines looking for in a guard and who are some guys that fit that profile? The lions like athletic offensive linemen and they like durable offense, offensive linemen. So my favorite offensive lineman in this class doesn't fit that durable, uh, tag Natane Muti. And I'm sorry about pronunciation. I usually have the pronunciation guide totally memorized by now, but I haven't, <laughs> I haven't done that this year, um, but he's from Fresno state. He's one of the best guards in this class on tape. This should be the top guard in this class, uh, but he's in, he's been injured a lot. He's had several serious injuries in his career. That's a big concern, but what the lions generally look for is that athleticism, the ability to move, the ability to uh, pull on the run and be able to go out in space. Um, but they also like versatility. 
Um, so Graham Glasgow is probably gone. I would look right back to Michigan. They had Ben Bredesen there. He's a guard. He can play both guard spots. He can potentially kick out the tackle in a pinch if he needs to. Um, that's the type of guy you're going to look for guys that played multiple positions, whether it's tackle and then spinning inside to guard or playing multiple guard spots or a center, uh, Lloyd Cushenberry at LSU and, uh, Cesar Ruiz, right. From Michigan. Mm -hmm. Those are two guys that you should be paying attention to because even though they're centers, they're athletic interior offensive linemen who can move in space. That's not just a center. You put that guy at a guard, he can do that. And he's got that center mentality. You know, he's, he's looking for those protections. He's starting to look, pay attention to where the guys are going to be. That's the kind of guys that are looking for guys with positional versatility and athleticism. All right. I got one more question for you before we close our combine talk. And it's, you kind of referenced it at the top. It's those guys that maybe no one has heard of, but they're going to blow up the combine, whether it's medicals, whether it's, you know, the top 40 in the class, who are some guys that are relative unknowns now, but by the end of the week, they're going to be people that everyone's talking about. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of those because the, the draft community has done a pretty good job of, of, of bringing a lot of those names to light. But uh, Kyle Duggar from Lenoir Rhine, very small school. Um, not a big, big guy on tape because there's not a lot of tape of him, but everyone I've talked to that has watched this kid play has boomed about this kid. All they could do is talk about how great he is on tape. They think he's going to crush the combine. They're talking 42, 43 inch vertical, talking 11 foot possible broad. They're talking about running in the four threes. And this is a safety. This isn't a, this isn't a corner. This isn't a linebacker. This is a safety. And they're talking about putting up huge numbers. Um, I've seen some talking about him going in the first round. That would be a pretty rich sell to me for a guy coming from that small of a program. Um, you, the small school thing is real. There, there's a big jump going from one, uh, one level of just going from any college to the NFL. That's a big jump. Um, but going from that small of a school, that's, that's a lot to ask for. Um, <clears throat> from Auburn, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce this guy's name because I didn't do the pronunciation guy. <laughs> but it's uh, Noah, and it begins with an I, and you can look him up uh, from Auburn. <laughs> He's another guy that I expect to do really well in the, the time drills and do really well in the explosion drills. Uh, he's, he's a pretty lengthy guy for his size. Uh, he's got a lot of athletic ability on tape. Uh, I think the combine is going to be a good chance for him to showcase his talents. I could run through a list of all of the guys that are going to run in the four threes and four twos this class. I would expect whatever the record is for guys that have run four, three at the combine. And I'm going to look it up after this and I'll probably post it on Twitter, but uh, whatever, whatever that record is, it's, it should be shattered this year. There's so many fast guys in this draft class, a lot of track guys coming out, mostly on the cornerbacks, a couple of receivers, but mostly it's corners uh, and running backs. But there's a lot of guys who have already run in the four threes, either coming out of high school or during college when they do their, their uh, laser timing for their, their spring training. So there's, there's, and then when I say a lot, I'm talking like 15, 20 guys that ran in the four, three range. Um, and that's not me exaggerating. It's about that many. So there's a lot of guys that are going to crush this. Um, what was the guy? Javelin, Javelin Gidry is another corner that, that ran an extremely fast hundred meter. It was like 10, 10 or something like that. Super fast. Um, they're talking about him possibly beating John Ross's record this year. Mm. And I watched one of his, one of his uh, uh, runs on track and it's like, yeah, I could see that. That's, that's <laughs> fast. That is all world speed right there. 
So there's a lot of speed in this draft at a lot of positions. So pay attention to those 40 yard dashes, even though I, I always talk about how overrated that is as an individual drill, but there's well, going to be a lot of guys, lots of guys. Perfect timing for the, the NFL combine to kind of make this a prime time event. Yeah. Since that's kind of the prime time drill. Yeah. And yeah, it sounds like we might get some fireworks this week. So look forward to seeing that. Looking forward to seeing all of your content this week. Ken, um, I'm very excited about it. Now you've gotten me excited about it. You succeeded. This, this <laughs> segment was a success. Cause you now I'm, now I'm a little jacked up to see what happens this week. Um, we'll, we'll have all sorts of coverage of that. Obviously I'm proud of Detroit.com, but make sure you're following math bomb at, math bomb on twitter and then go to relative athletic scores right with it's, it's plural yep dot com yep relative athletic scores.com for all that sort of stuff but for now we're going to close out the segment when we come back we're going to talk nflpa collective bargaining stuff that's always exciting then get to your questions using the hashtag aspod so stick around we'll be right back With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mail time. Mail time. News here. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Mailbag. Hashtag AskPOD for any and all of your questions about the Lions, life, or whatever is in whatever you're in the mood for. Just send it to us at any time on Twitter using the hashtag AskPOD. We also have the AskPOD post every Friday-ish uh, on PridayDetroit.com. Um, so if you're one of our commenters there, you can head there as well. But before we get into the mailbag this week, I want to talk a little bit about the NFL Players Association and collective bargaining agreement stuff that's going on. Specifically, I think the most buzzworthy thing to talk about, and I'd love to hear your guys' opinion on it, the 17 game proposal has has reared its ugly head again, and this time it's come with a corresponding additional wild card team, potentially uh, adding a third wild card team, giving only one team a buy instead of the normal two in each conference, leading to 14 teams out of 32 making the playoffs instead of 12. Ryan, we didn't hear from you much last segment, so I want you to go off. If if we need to cue the ra- the raged corner theme that we probably haven't we'd probably have to get the dust off of we'll do it mm-hmm. or, maybe, or maybe you love it let me let, let me hear it i 
I can't say that I love it, but I also can't say that I am so vehemently against it. I think that there's part. I, I think there's part of me that says everybody takes a look at the college football playoff and they want to take that from four teams to eight teams. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people view playoff expansion as being a good thing, just because it invites the opportunity for teams on the fringe to make it. And potentially you get those eight and eight New York football giants that go and knock off, you know, the new England Patriots or, you know, whatever it may be. So ultimately though, it, the only thing that rubs me the wrong way is the 17 game schedule. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a proponent at all of even, I mean, they should definitely shorten the preseason. I don't think the preseason should be any more than two games, but there's no reason to add a 17th regular season game because that's going to have just an impact on playoffs. Like you, you want you, I think you want to try to get the best football out of the players. You want to maximize their, their efforts and their talents. And by elongating the season, you definitely do not do that in a very physical sport like football. So I don't know. I'm lukewarm to it. Yeah. Not, not quite a rage corner, but I'll I'll take it. It's it's, Uh, it's a lukewarm corner. I might warm things up when it's my turn, but I want to hear from Kent first. Yeah, it's kind of the same. I I wish I could be real angry about it, but it's only really adding the one game and it just, it seems like such a weird way to implement it that they're trying to do because they're, they're removing one of the preseason games, which as Ryan mentioned, only really needs to be two games. I'm not even sure we need a third one. Um, so it, it's removing that it's getting rid of that little bit of extra risk to the players. There's a bunch of, of concessions that they gave for, uh, contact in the preseason and the, the amount of time that they can do. Um, the, the pay for that 17th game is going to be the, the real kicker for it. Yeah. And, and I don't have all the details in front of me, but if you want to go look it up, it's really stupid. So <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. And basically we, anyone we that throw, <laughs> It's something like basically anyone that's making a salary of 3.4 million or higher is going to be making significantly less in that 17th game. It's not a small amount either. It's a, it's yeah. a lot less than they would normally make. And and it's not cool that they do that. It doesn't make any sense that they would yeah. do that. Um, all future contracts would be structured around that. So it'd be a temporary thing. Yeah. It wouldn't be a long-term thing, but it just seems like a really dumb way to try to sell that to the players that, Hey, we're going to get a whole extra game that you didn't want. And we're going to pay you less. <laughs> right? Isn't that great? Um, yeah. I, I like the, I like expanding the rosters that should happen. Yeah. That should have been mm-hmm. happening. So I like expanding the rosters, both game day and total. Um, so hopefully that becomes more of a thing. Um, but it, it's, it just seems like they have, they, they did half measures here. They didn't really try to sell the NFL viable. Right. The NFL doing a half measure? What? Uh, no, uh, real real quick, I think a, a, uh, another couple cool things was the third return to IR spot mm-hmm. that I oh, saw. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's another cool opportunity. And then wasn't there the proposal about players being able to be eligible for the practice squad regardless of how many years yeah. of accrued yep, experience yeah. they have so, or accrued yep. experience they have? So that's, mm-hmm. that's another cool thing, too. To, Which will never kind of, be exploited. <laughs> yeah. Only going to be used for developmental players and not injured players who they just don't want to carry a regular roster spot for. That that is kind of an interesting one, and and we'll have to to scale back and, and see how teams use it if it is implemented. But I want to say on this seventeenth game and and fourteenth team because <laughs> I absolutely hate both of them. 
part of it is like my my mild OCD. I think the schedule right now is so perfect. 16 games is is a great number. You know, there's four teams in each division. Four games. Seven. I mean, it's eight home games, eight away games, four or eight. Sorry, six in division, four against another division, four against another division. And then you got the other ones to fill out that you're, you're playing teams with the same record in the other divisions. It's all just works out so perfectly. You throw a 17th in there and you're throwing everything off. Suddenly half the teams are getting more home games than, than the other half. And then suddenly where, I mean, where are you even picking this 17th team from? Where, where are they coming from? Because there's no way you can make it completely fair with everyone in your division. They're, they're going to just have Cleveland play those 17, that 17th game for everybody. That way, that way they can up so, the win totals for everybody. So Cleveland's got a, a 39 <laughs> game schedule or whatever it is. Hey, hey why hey, not? It's a great way to get tape out there. You know, <laughs> it just like it throw it. Everything seems to be perfect balance right now. And you're throwing one game in there and suddenly all the marbles are just going in every direction. It doesn't make sense. Everything is just in perfect harmony. And you want to throw a game for no no players want it. No players are going to make enough money to to want it. You're you're going to risk more injury. Are you going to throw a, another buy in there because that throws another fun thing in the schedule? Are we pushing everything back another week now? Are we getting football into mid February? <laughs> they're scared what? of the XFL. They, they don't. They're trying to push them back even further. It just <sighs> I hate it. And I hate adding uh, another playoff team. It doesn't make sense. It, again, everything's in perfect order in the playoffs. You get two guys with buys. You have a nice bracket that, that fits perfectly. You throw in, uh, now we have odd teams in the playoffs. Why are we doing this? Why? No, no, no <laughs> one that didn't make the playoffs this year deserved <laughs> to make it. And 90% of the time, it's that way. The reason we clamor for in in college football is because you lose one game. Sometimes that means you're gone. That's it. You you, you have one week off. But as long as you don't have eight weeks off, you have a shot in the NFL. And and there's there's no people getting screwed. There there's no Boise <laughs> State that go sixteen and zero and don't make the playoffs. How many how-, how many years do you think we make before there's a a, a- Five and eleven team in the playoffs. <laughs> Do you think we make it a whole decade before that there's, happens? There's already a route for that with with just awarding division winners a, a playoff spot. It's it's unlikely, but you know we saw the the seven eight and one Panthers make it. So like, who's who's getting upset over this? Seven, I'm getting nine, upset Seahawks, over seeing a team eight, eight Saints. I would be getting upset over a team like the the nine and seven Rams getting into the playoffs this year. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see the nine and seven Detroit lions of 2018 in the playoffs. I mean, at the time, sure. I would have liked it, but in retrospect that they're 2017, not 2018, uh, but come on, they wouldn't have been competitive. They wouldn't have gone streaking. All you would have seen is the lions get boat rail. What's the boat raced in, in, I don't understand the term. Uh, <laughs> so you should use it. We're just making so it up I up <laughs> Boat raced. That's Boat the term raced. now. Isn't that isn't that what it is? I don't know. <laughs> it Whatever. is now. I'm flustered <laughs> because this is stupid. Yeah, NFL you're stupidity it has me flustered at ten at night when I'm usually <laughs> sleeping because I'm a old man. Waving my hand at the clouds. Is it time to go to the mailbag? Yes. Have we gone off the rails? 
You have. Oh, okay. <laughs> you boat raced yourself right out of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, hashtag SPOD if you have questions. Our first one comes from Seku Fan Account on Twitter. Yes, if you had to follow one Instagram story to use as your source, whose would it be? <laughs> hmm. Uh, Danny DeVito. <laughs> I feel like Danny DeVito is just a trustworthy guy. Is he? I think so. I don't think anyone that small can be trustworthy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anybody who's There's ever played the penguin <laughs> is just a villainous, untrustworthy guy. Any, yes, anyone who's been on camera and had black goose ushing out of the corners <laughs> of their mouth. I do not trust. Okay, fair enough, but I disagree. <laughs> do you have an answer, Ken? It's, it's I don't a weird have a question, good answer for that. I, picked yeah, I, don't, I don't have a good or funny or clever answer for that. I'm, I'm trying to think of one, but I'm a little slow. <laughs> I've spent all my energy, so I'm just going to skip it. Uh, <laughs> Danny DeVito it is. I guess yep. it's Danny DeVito. It is. <laughs> Uh, preseason champs uh, from our Lion or Pride of Detroit comment section asks Is there one Detroit or surrounding area food restaurant staple that if you were GM, would br- you'd bring in as a new food option for fans at Ford Field? And if so, what would it be? Didn't they already bring in slows. They did already bring slows. So slows well, is off the board. Ryan, you, you know why I asked this question. I just want you to say it just so All we right. can plug them again. Yeah, just so that we can get sweet water wings inside of Ford oh, Field. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean that that's a per- yeah. I think that's a perfect little game day snack, snacking on some chim- some chicken wings. I think that they're just as disposable as like peanut shells. <laughs> I, I thought you guys should know that Danny DeVito's Instagram account, the first picture that shows up is is a picture of him holding monster large size condoms with a picture of Danny DeVito on it. So maybe this is our most trustworthy <laughs> news source. All right. Well, now I'm going to have to bring this up for our, <laughs> oh, <God>. for our <laughs> viewers because. <laughs> oh my goodness. There's several, several pictures of him as baby Yoda. <laughs> yep. For your Magnum dong. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god his instagram <laughs> you know what All of this, it was instagram and we may never see you again because oh my god i love it you're welcome um Thank you, Ken. anyways what was your question jeremy <laughs> it, we were talking about food and let because he has a follow-up here and what's your favorite thing to get there and i'm assuming he means at ford field currently I'm going to open that up to any sports concession. What is the best sports concession food you've ever had? Mm. Do do $2 beers at Grand Rapids Griffins games count? (laughs) They might. (laughs) They might. They just got to hit a dollar dog night at at Grand Rapids Griffins games. I got a, uh, I got a two pound burger. Ooh. When I was when I was at the Alamo Dome, Alamo Dome when I lived in San Antonio, and I don't remember the place that I got it from, but I was a much larger dude than I am now. <laughs> I was going to say that's a that's a large burger, Kent. <laughs> and I could I could do a two pound burger. Um, 
but it was awesome. It was delicious. It was, it was one of the best burgers I ever had. And it was seemed like it was a lot bigger than two pounds. <laughs> <laughs> See, I feel like I'm cheating with this question because I've been fortunate enough to go to the, the Ford field testing events over the past two years where they test, they, they tested like their new items and then they have reporters eat and, and review and, and post about all the new fun stuff they're going to have. And so I've been lucky enough to do that. And the Nashville hot chicken taco. Oh man. I don't, I don't know if that was this year or the year before blew my mind. It was amazing. And if they still have it, go get it this year. That's all I guess. I like that. By the way, real quick, did you see that uh, Chicago's Portillo's might be opening a store in Michigan? I don't know if you've ever been to Portillo's, but I haven't. That's like the 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 Italian beef, though, right? That's the yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, Italian beef, and then they do an awesome uh, like Polish sausage with sweet and spicy peppers, and they have their like world famous. Uh, chocolate cake shake that actually has chunks of cake in it. Oh boy. Oh yeah. It's I, I go to Portillo's every single time I go to Chicago. But, it, but it's fair cool. to say that can't happen in Ford Field, right? Because it's Chicago. Uh well technically it could because we do own them. Oh yeah. <laughs> sure. We'll say we'll say we still <laughs> own the Bears, right? Mentally we do. Kent, Kent, uh, Kent talked off air about how everything that went wrong with Eric Ebron was north of his neckline. Well, that's everything wrong with Chicago Bears fans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's kick it back to some football talk. Zach Rad, uh, sorry, Zach Kadolf from her comment section says, what are your thoughts on teams not sending all of their personnel, their coaching personnel to the combine? Some teams kept assistant coaches home to study film and implement their systems. Um, I pulled this question because Bob Quinn mentioned this in that interview uh, with, with uh, Tori Petrie and said that he is sending everybody. And so Ken, I think this is a good question for you. If, if you have an opinion on it, um, what are your yeah. thoughts on, on some teams sending everyone, some teams not? This is, this is fun because a lot of team, every team, there's 32 teams in the NFL and every single one of them uses their staff differently. Yeah. So this is one of those things that like, no matter what Bob Quinn did, there's going to be people that hate it and people that are behind it as <laughs> sure. a choice. Um, but ultimately it just comes down to how they use their staff and what their staff does at these events. And the lions use their staff in a lot of varying ways. They do a lot of interviews with their staff, their individual position coaches go out and do interviews at, at pro days. Uh, their individual scouts will do a lot of, they have a lot of autonomy um, and have the whole time under Bob Quinn. And I believe they did under Caldwell as well. It wasn't that different. Yeah. Um, but it, it's no surprise to me that they're sending everybody. I would have been surprised if they were one of the teams that, that kept everybody back. Um, Bob Quinn is the decision maker, but he, he lets everybody else do their own thing. So it's not surprising to me at all that they did. Um, I think it's one of those things that's going to get blown up as, as if they're doing something wrong when it's just, they're doing something the way that they do it. Right. Yeah. All right. From our Twitch chat, we had some people talking earlier about Kyle Van Ooyen. I wouldn't even call them rumors. They're more just people connecting dots there. Um, let's let me, let me throw a two parter regarding Kyle Van Noy. One, do you think it would make sense for the lines to bring him back? And two, is there any chance of it actually happening? Ryan, you first. 
Well, one doesn't make sense, even though every Lions fan would want to tell themselves, no, 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 absolutely not. We've already seen this movie. It would make sense because he is the lengthy, long linebacker that we talked about earlier on this podcast that this team needs so desperately. With that being said, I don't think he ends up. I don't think he ends up here in Detroit because I can't let myself entertain that thought. (laughs) (laughs) So this has more to do with you than anything else here. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that there realistically is a shot just because of the way that he would fit in the scheme. He fits the profile. He had shown an ability to play that position well under Matt Patricia in new England. So why wouldn't he come here and work? I I mean, I guess the underlying question is what does he think of the organization and has it changed with, since Matt Patricia has been here? You you would almost have to take that into consideration, I think, because I mean, things have changed. I mean, almost from the top, right? Rod Wood included. Um, Since Kyle Van Noy was a Detroit lion. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So there, I mean, there's been a lot Um, of change. So. Yeah. And I'm, I'm right, right on board with that. And I feel like there's, there's a decent enough chance that he does. I think he would consider it. I, I think ultimately it's just a business decision for him. I don't think that Kyle Van Noy harbors any ill will towards the people there because the people there aren't there anymore. Everybody that, that uh, misused him in their scheme and tried to do different things with them. They're all gone. There, there's nobody still here on that staff. Um, Everything I've heard is that him and Matt Patricia got along well, so I don't think there's any concerns there. I think it's just going to be a business decision for him. I don't think it happens. Um, I, I really think it should. I, I think it's. I think it would be worth pursuing. I just don't think it happens. I think he stays in New England, or uh, maybe ends up in Miami. For for the record, Bob Quinn was the one who did trade him. So I'll throw that out. There. Yeah, that's true. But it would be it would record, be odd, right? For terrible in that scheme beforehand. Sure. Absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah, this is the same, this is, but uh, yeah, context is what's always important, right? And right. this is the same team that drafted Jared Davis, but for an entirely different defensive scheme. Yeah. So. Yep. All right. Fun Let's stuff. Let's reboot it, man. We just need <laughs> linebackers. Bring them all in. Hey, Disney's rebooting everything. Why don't the lines just start rebooting <laughs> Kyle Van Noy? Uh, Rob right, Schneider our... is a linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. From Twitter, B Curtis one at B Curtis one, one, two asks, are there certain positions that you'd like to see filled through free agency instead of the draft and vice versa? Yes. Probably the short answer, right? Um, <laughs> sure. This this draft class sucks for linebackers. Um, mm-hmm. There's one guy at the top, and he's like 20 pounds lighter than what Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia like, and I don't feel like he fits what the lines do on defense, um, which is Isaiah Simmons. After that, there's a steep, steep drop-off to the next level of guys. Uh, and one of those next level of guys is like 210 pounds. So Patrick Queen from LSU so you're you're looking at guys that either are so far out of scheme <laughs> that they're not going to be considered or they're far enough that you have to consider the level of talent. There are no Devin White and and uh, the other Devin. 
was two Devons last Devin year. Bush. Bush. Devin Bush. Thank you. Yeah, Bush. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's no, there's no Devons this year. We have, we have one linebacker that's, that's going to be considered that highly and a bunch of guys who aren't. And most of the guys that are good are significantly smaller than what Matt Patricia likes. I don't feel like this is a good class at all. They should definitely go through free agency, bring in all the linebackers, retool the position completely. I've mentioned this before. I want, I want the whole slate cleaned in this linebacker core. It was the worst. I've been a Lions fan for a million years and <laughs> I can't recall having linebackers that were top to bottom this bad. Yeah. Um, all the depth is bad. All the starters are bad, <laughs> except for a second round rookie who was just okay. And that's like, we're, we're holding on to that. Like that just okay, man. We got a just okay guy. Everybody else was terrible. We have one just okay guy. Um, that's not, that's not acceptable. You want to feel a professional team. You got to put professionals out there. Um, the Lions should retool the entire group, go into free agency, bring in four or five guys, get a, get a couple of depth guys in the draft to try to bring in, but it's a weak position. Corner is the, ob- is the opposite. Same with receiver corner and receiver. They should draft at least two. I would be ecstatic if the Lions came out of here with two receivers and two corners from this draft. Um, we already got our one bill that we needed from wide receiver and Danny Amendola. We're done. We don't need to do anything else in free agency. Let's, let's just go out and, and draft guys, which they would have done even if they hadn't signed Danny Amendola. Yeah, right. But we've, like you said before, we've got that, we've got that contingency plan in place. We're good. Go out, go out and get an outside receiver, get a slot receiver. There's plenty in this draft. Uh, get a couple of corners to bring in here. We're good. Wide receiver was definitely one of the the ones I was going to say about a, a, a position I think they should draft and not go in free agency. Another one I th- I think is guard. Um, we mentioned a couple guards earlier that that are going to be good fits in this draft, and and mostly it, it's really a it's not necessarily a talent thing between talent in in the draft and talent in free agency. It's more of Awesome. Just kind of a, a strategy. Yeah. Cost essentially. Um, if the Lions aren't going to spend all that money on Graham Glasgow, they better not be spending all that money on some other guy in free agency, but they better be taking the get younger, get cheaper route and then spend that money either extending Taylor Decker or, or whatever they plan on doing with all that extra money. Um, because it doesn't make sense to, to just spend a ton of money on a different guy that isn't, familiar with the lines and all that stuff. So, so Jeremy, would that take you completely out of the race for trading Darius Slay and then signing Byron Jones? Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know. I'd have to think about that some more. I, I mean, <clears throat> it's tough because corner isn't, a position that I'm that excited about drafting just because there is a bit of a learning curve there. Um, so fixing yeah. it in free agency is something that I'm okay with, even if it does mean getting rid of Darius Slay. It's, it's I, it, that's not a situation in which I'd be thrilled with, but it's one that I I think I'd be able to come to terms with a little more than going out and paying a top tier guard on in free agency. Yeah, like don't don't you just view that situation as being much more tenable and it'd put you a lot more at ease if the Lions went out and got a actual Darius Slay replacement rather than saying, okay, we're going to go with Okuda and Justin Coleman and Amani Orarie. Right. Like, I yeah. think that that would be a little bit more convincing I, and selling. But then again, <laughs> do you think that the Lions are willing to invest that much money in the position because of what they would have to give? Byron Jones for a contract on top of what they just signed Justin Coleman to last offseason. 
I mean, it's a good point. I, I do think the Lions have shown that they're willing to spend on that position, though, that they certainly have tried over the past few years to, to get a, a big guy. And I think they will. I think I think they certainly sign a cornerback um, in free agency at some point, whether Slay is resigned or not. Um, this team has, has tried to go out, try to go out and get Chris Harris probably a couple times. I'm not saying he's he's their target or anything, but that's, the, I that's mean, they been need my too. That's been my biggest issue with Bob Quinn is he has a real propensity to try and get some of the, the longest in the tooth veterans that he can possibly grab yeah. grab onto. And, and that worries me. I, I prefer going for the younger guys that, that haven't met their potential yet, rather than the guys that are right about to go over that cliff. Um, Cause it tends to bite you. Yeah. yeah. I, I do agree though, that they're going to get somebody in free agency. I don't, I think it's going to be another Rashawn Melvin type of signing though. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like there are an awful lot of slot corners that are available in free agency. And I think the lions probably want to keep Justin Coleman in the slot rather than have him play outside. So it's kind of tough because a lot of those guys that you'd want to probably take a chance on like dark as Denard or I don't know, even, even Chris Harris jr. Much better served playing the playing you know, nickel cornerback than, than on the outside, which Vangio had him do all season long. So, um, it's, it's, it's just, it, I don't know that that's, that's an interesting wrinkle to, to free agency in the draft. And the one other question that I had before we got into a mailbag question was when do you think the lions will move on from Darius Slay? Like, do you think that they want to do it before free agency? Do you think that they want to wait until the draft? Do do you think they even want to do they do you think they feel optimistic enough that they would keep talks going into training camp or something? I think well, that I, after, after that fifth overall pick after the Lions trade down a foregone and conclusion a, and still get a CUDA <laughs> right after that is when the talk starts. I think I'm down with that and I'm down with ending this podcast because we've gone over uh Kent, thank you for joining us and bringing in all of your NFL combine knowledge. I'm going to say it again. You need to follow Math Bomb this week because he's going to bring his stuff at Math Bomb on Twitter. Do it right now. Pause the podcast again after switching over from Danny DeVito's Instagram. Now go over to Math Bomb's <laughs> Twitter account. Follow. I would even set notifications for every time his tweet he tweets. It's probably going to get annoying because he's going to tweet a hell of a lot but it's going to be good information if you're a, a draft Nick or a wannabe draft Nick. So thanks again, Ken, for joining us, Ryan. Thank you. As always, you get a lesson through the other thanks because you're here all the time and thank you for listening. We'll see you guys probably later this week. Catch then. <laughs>